Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. We're here. We're not excited about this topic. No, no, no. Start over. Start over. (laughs) I'll start. Okay. Welcome, everybody. To our show, Fox Bottom Girls. I am Rachel, and this is Jen. Hello. And I decided to start the show today. I don't because know why. Jen's got just, a bad attitude. It just felt right. <laughs> it just felt right. We, I was going to say we're back from our hiatus, but that's not true. We've had a couple episodes, but we are here today to talk about spontaneous fermentation. Uh, we've mentioned in past episodes that we would get on to this topic for you all. So we are tackling it. Uh, Before we do that, though, I believe we got some information incorrect in our last episode that we need to fix because we are human and we are transparent and we make mistakes. And so, Jen, can you uh, remind or let everyone know what our uh, what we're here to correct I'm not as good as I'm not as good as opening episodes as Jen is. I feel like everybody. I feel I also I feel like I'm in trouble and you're making me stand up in front of the class to be like, oh, my bad. Jen, my what bad. did we learn? See, I knew I shouldn't have done this. It's okay. I'm just I'm just like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm reading a script, but I'm not. It's just in my mind. Silly. Your mind script. Like I'm reading my notes. Like, okay, well, first we're gonna correct our mistake. <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about this. And then we're gonna talk about then we're gonna get on with the real episode. So. Right. Right. Yes. So in our water episode, I it turns out needed to learn more amine about chloramine <laughs> because I had two pieces of information that were incorrect. <laughs> I love the pun. Thank you. Uh, I've been I've been sitting on it. Oh, good. So one of the things I had said in our water episode was that if you leave your brewing water out overnight, if you're using municipal water, that your chlorine and your chloramine will dissipate and you will be able to use it. That is not correct. Um, If your water is only treated with chlorine, then you can leave it out overnight and it will just, that's enough time to let it dissipate. Chloramine stays around for quite a bit longer. So it's going to take several days if your water is treated with chloramine to have that dissipate and have your water be ready for brewing. Uh, You can still boil it. You know, if you're using municipal water, you can still boil both of those compounds off and then let it cool and then start your brew day. Um, And then the other piece of information that I learned or clarified for myself was that Camden tablets will get rid of chloramine um, but it takes twice the amount of Camden tablets or, you know, metabisulfite to get rid of chloramine. And I didn't go, like, I didn't do any of the calculations or anything to figure out, like, if you've got a five gallon batch, does your Camden tablet, is it powerful enough that you just, you know, throw one in or, or whatever? I don't use Camden tablets, but yeah, is it if you just do like one, is it, I guess what I didn't figure out because I don't use them. Um, is does one Camden tablet it's is typically, it powerful enough to get rid of like it's already it's it's like set at the dosage to get rid of chloramine and chlorine so you don't have to do any kinds of calculations on like how many Camden tablets do I, I have. think it's one tablet per five gallon at least right. like the tablets I go buy at the homebrew store what if, right. if there's if there's tablets with different concentration or whatever I don't know Right. So that's what I think is that it's probably set at, it's not going to hurt your water if there's more metabisulfite, if it's only chlorine, that kind of thing. Um, But I didn't do that calculation. So yeah, but there it it is. Yes. The lesson is that Camden tablets will get rid of chloramine. And my assumption would be that Camden tablets are already formulated to get rid of both chloramine and chlorine. So thank you for um, both of the listeners who asked about that. Um, and Rachel and I talked about this. It's really, really important for us, like she said, to be transparent. You can see right through us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've, I think all of us, when you're learning something and there are a lot of 
experts, uh, you know, expertise is not perfection. And so it is important for us to make sure that we are getting the information correct. And I'm a nerd who loves and always loves studying. So when somebody says, hey, I thought that it was this instead of that, I'm like, ooh, I've got a mystery to solve. I'm going to get out my books. I'm going to read everything. I'm going to make notes. And I enjoy that. And I, I, I want to have that deeper understanding. And so because of those, you know, those two questions that were posed to me, I now have a deeper understanding of chloramine. And I was mistaken about both things. And so as a home brewer, that's something that I'm like, okay. And I want to say the Camden tablet thing I read on like an online forum, which is what yeah. I get for trusting anything that I read in an online home. Well, it's good to know. I I've only, I do remember reading something about Camden tablets and water a while ago, but I've only used them with fruits to sanitize fruit in my experience. So right. it's a, the more, you know, yes. And so just to underscore that we truly, we welcome yes. people asking us questions. If we say something and you're like, I don't think that's quite right. Yeah, definitely. Please definitely call us out. Yeah. Because we, yeah. we, we want to be right. We, we, we want to know for our own personal growth and, and we want to be able to correct things because we don't want to seem like we have this attitude that we know it all and you shouldn't correct us. Like, no. Right. Because there are a lot of people in the industry who yeah. are like that. And I was telling Rachel before we started recording, like one of my biggest fears in the industry is that at some point I've said something wrong and no one corrected me. And everybody's like elbowing each other and being like, she thinks this. <laughs> and like, it comes, like, it becomes like a joke, you know, yeah. because there are definitely people in the industry that I think that about that. I'm like, you have never once given me the impression that you would be okay with me challenging yeah, yeah. something that you It's said. very true. Yeah. And that's like, game that I tend to play with a lot of people who are in the industry. Um, there's one person in particular, I won't name names. If like, if you buy me a couple of beers, I would probably tell you, but as I learned more and learned more about the things that they've written, I'm like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't seem quite right. And then hearing from other people like, oh yeah, no, where it's well known that this person is not in authority. And it's like, but then why, why do you keep asking this person to speak and to write articles and, you know, and things like that. And so I've just started playing this game in my head with some of these people who are so-called authorities of like, is this a really knowledgeable beer writer? Or was this a guy who was writing about beer in 2000? You know, is this a really knowledgeable brewer or is this a guy who was brewing beer in, in 2000? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it was just like more... around the more I have grown in this beer world and learn, I have seen, I have done that as well. I have seen like a certain person be like, oh, you're going to, they're going to be teaching this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> excuse me? Like, don't, you're going to, people are going to pay money for this? Oh, no, no, no. I must do something. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey. I have definitely played my fair share of fake it till you make it. Eventually you do got to make it, but right. Hey, you know what? I I've also been the person to take on a topic and say, yeah, I'll do that. And then I, right after that phone call, I go and look up what the hell it is. So oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> I absolutely. can't say. <laughs> yes. The very first time I ever moderated a panel for a conference, they emailed me and said, would you moderate this panel for a conference? And I said, yes, I will. And then I Googled how to moderate a panel for conference. <laughs> and that's the thing. And that's, you yeah. know, so many people do that. And so you don't know that. You don't yeah. see that background. But like, can't that's what anyone. a lot of people do yeah. is just say, yeah, I can do that because you can do that. Yes. You, you know, you can do that and uh, you'll figure it out. So, um, yeah, again, I, I really appreciate when people also, you know, respect this relationship that we have as podcasters and podcastees of understanding that it's okay to reach out to us with those kinds of questions, because I don't think that I, I've, well, for me, it's very meaningful because that means that, you know, Rachel, you and I are doing our jobs of creating a community yes. that is inclusive and respectful of each other. So I totally agree. Don't ever hesitate to reach out with questions about something that we've said and, and know that we take it seriously and that we'll look into it. 
And yeah, so those were my core main facts that I've learned over the past couple of weeks. And also one last news item, or I guess update for everyone who, if you listen to this, you've probably already deduced that I did not pass my master's cicerone exam um, on my second attempt. I got two points away, which was super disappointing. Um, I, I felt like I was pretty confident um, that I had passed, which I remember one of the times that I took the advanced Cicerone exam. So I have I have a lot of respect for people who can pass their Cicerone exam or any exam really on, you know, on the first time. Um, I have not, with the exception of the certified beer server, it's taken me multiple attempts for each level. And I remember one of the times I took advanced, like leaving the exam and being like, I got this. I did so good. And then like, as it came closer to results being reported, I was like, well, I did get that wrong. And I did get that wrong. And I got that wrong. And I got that wrong. And then realizing like, oh shit, I don't, I don't think that I passed actually. And it was the same thing. I think I missed it by like one or two points. Yeah. So I was majorly bummed. It's not just about what you know, how much, you know, it's also a test of endurance. Mm Mm-hmm. I have been there and I remember, I remember going in day two, cause two day tests in the beginning of day two and just being like, just get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when, when I was taking the exam in Charlotte this last time, Joe Vogelbacher, who's one of the latest master Cicerones was talking to us one day after, I think after the first day. And he had said that, um, I think he said it was something that Ray Daniels had said to him, which was just because you ran a marathon last year, doesn't mean you can run a marathon this year. Yeah. And I think that that is, that was something that like, I keep thinking about that because it's like, yeah, like you've got to, you know, go in and you have to do it all over again, you know, more so you can, you know, you can do better. I did improve my score. And like the areas that I did really poorly on, I got that score like up. So I'm, I'm confident that I know what I need to study to be able to do better. I just really fucking hate the idea of having but you to get memorize to, commercial examples. You get to drink them. Bad. You get to drink them though. <laughs> then all you have to do the next year is drink beer. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And like, just. You know, you know the game. You don't even have to like do the whole blind tasting. Just go get a six pack of like drink your way. You know what? We'll go to Belgium. Okay. We'll just drink our way. See now, now you're not sad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to London for our trip in January, and we'll just have to go to Belgium again because we gotta we gotta brush up on our Belgian beers. I don't right, know what right. to tell you, Jeff. <laughs> you have to stay here at <laughs> the brewery. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for your other job that you do that yeah, allows us to, do to go to Belgium. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna we're go to London. We're gonna go. Is it Aroxa there? Mm-hmm. See, we're gonna have the best time. We'll go to London. Kara can take us to all the awesome breweries. We can drink all the styles. We can go to, I don't know, any connection she has. You hear us, Kara? Mm-hmm. We're coming. <laughs> Kara yes. works for Aroxa. She lives there. So, uh, yeah. She doesn't live it. at Aroxa. She lives, she lives in at the lab yeah. in Aroxa. <laughs> right. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. It'll be we'll great. Go, go to Neil's Dairy. And and I'll be with you taking the test next year. I still have to take it again this year, but <laughs> I will be there next year with you. It's going to be, it, we have all the moral support. Yes. All the moral support you Yes. And thank you for everyone who, you know, listens who knew that I had taken the exam when they announced the the two people who had passed and also congratulations to Max Finance and Ryan Spryer. They are the two yes. newest master Cicerones. Congrats. Uh, but obviously when you know that somebody took it and then you see who passed and you don't see somebody's name, I really truly did appreciate people who reached out to, you know, to just be like, hey, sorry to see that you didn't pass, you know, just thinking of you. Like that that really meant a lot because like I said, I I was fairly confident that I had passed and I definitely went through a couple of days of just being like, I'm not doing this again. And I know I felt like that. I think the first time I took advanced, I I felt like that, that I was just, just like the prospect of like, 
you know, I've had two mm-hmm. months now of not having a lot of projects, not having to study. And it's like, oh, I can just read for fun. And now the only thing I drink basically is Sonic Seltzer because it's the best <laughs> thing in the world. And I might actually be addicted to it. Um, but there's no way you're going to let me become master and not you. <laughs> right. it's, just not, it's just not in your nature. Right. Right. And yeah, it's for me, it was also just a um, disappointed that I didn't pass, but also very frustrated. I did the same thing with advanced where there are areas again, and I think it was the same with advanced specifically taking the time to memorize commercial examples and, you know, learn beer styles. Every time I sit down to do it, I just feel like this is not a good use of my time. And when am I ever going to need to tell somebody about a Kolsch in Brazil or, you know, or whatever, Um, but, you know, not spending time studying and learning something and magically my score doesn't improve. (laughs) Well, it did. Well, I did nothing. I did nothing to improve my, my beer styles score. And yet my score magically didn't get better, you know? So just like, yeah. Oh yeah, there are consequences to making choices like that. Um, so I guess I just need to well, change my attitude. You know, <laughs> most people do get a lower score their first, their second time versus their first time because they. And this happened to me with my advance. The second time I got a lower score than my first time because you just get into this like, oh well, I know that, I know that, and you're like, shit, I actually, oh, that one little detail made me lose this point because I didn't know that. Right. And so kudos to you for getting a higher score. Well, thank you. And, and that's hard. Like you only, you you had a five point difference. I mean, I'm not saying that you only had five points, but you only had five points to increase. Like it's, it's hard to increase. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It gets incrementally harder. You're not retaking the same test either. FYI, you're getting a different test, different questions each time that we take this. I don't think I've ever gotten i've gotten the same questions on like i've seen the same questions on advance and on master like there's one in particular that i feel like is on every single test mm-hmm. but um also just to note just to remind you guys advance is just a mini master mm-hmm. it's not any less hard it's just less time you're taking a test right right so, yeah kudos to you you did well you. you know every i most people take three years to pass this test Anyway, so you're not behind. Right. Yes. You're on this track. Yeah. You're I, on the I know. You're plan with me. I've been on the three year plan the whole time, baby. <laughs> I remember I remember saying that to Joe when Joe passed and I, he was like, no, don't do that. You guys got this. You just like just hanker down, you know, and I was like, fuck, feel the pressure now. Thanks, Joe. Right. And then I took it the first time. I was like, three year plan is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I mentioned like, I, I know people obviously pass like certified in advance and everything the first time. And I've, I've had friends who have done that and I can really admire that, but they're also not the people I ask for advice on yeah. passing the exam. And I remember uh, when I was in undergrad, so I'll just do a, like a small ego boost here. I had a 4.0 in undergrad. I got A's and everything. Um, not because I mastered everything, but because I was going to get an A in every class. And I remember one of my professors saying, you know, you, you'll ask your friends who get straight A's, what professors are like good, you know, what professors they like, what professors they don't like. So you, you know, as you're building your schedule for the next year. Yeah. And he was like, but then you realize that your straight A friends don't care who the professor is because they're just like a special kind of manic, like they're just going to get an A, it doesn't matter who the professor is. Yeah. And that was certainly true with me. I was just like, I don't know, like they're all blurs to me. I had a couple that I really liked, but you probably wouldn't like them for those, you know, same reasons that I do. And I feel like that when people have passed these exams the first time, it's like, I think that's fantastic. Good for you. I don't have anything to learn from you. I have, I have more to learn from the people who, took it and didn't pass and learned from that, took it, you know, and, yeah. and like, and did that incremental improvement. Those are the people I want to talk to. I don't want to talk to the people who passed the first time. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> well, moving on, I think we should. Moving on. We should move on. We shall. Yeah. Move on. I was trying to say it like 
um, Yoda, but I really messed it up. Move, move on, on, we, we shall. <laughs> move on, we shall. And then I said it like an English version of Noda. Yoda. Move on, we shall. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about spontaneous fermentation. All right. So, what is spontaneous fermentation? I don't know. I <laughs> Back to the dude. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have rescheduled recording this like 100 times. Um, because neither one of us is like terribly psyched about the topic. It is interesting. And if you're listening to this, I apologize if you're like, I've been waiting this whole time for spontaneous yeah. fermentation and it's finally here. We're going to do it justice. Uh, but just, you know, sometimes we pick topics and it's like, oh yeah, we do need to cover this because even as we were, as we said we would. And... Right. Well, and like, even as we were talking through our outline for today, it's like, well, we have done, you know, entire episodes about some of these. So you'll hear us a lot. This is going to be a very self-referential episode because we have done entire episodes dedicated to certain aspects yeah. of spontaneous fermentation, but we haven't just talked about spontaneous. Yeah. Fermentation. And now we're putting together the big picture. Right. Right. So yeah, you were kind of filling in, like we started, yeah. I guess we started very narrow and now we're giving you the 30,000 foot view of spontaneous yeah. fermentation. So yeah, uh, spontaneous fermentation is, I will say one of the things that I find, and I, I find spontaneous fermentation to be interesting. I don't want somebody thinking, hearing this, thinking that Jen Blair hates spontaneous fermentation. I don't. But one of the things I find the most interesting about spontaneous fermentation is that it's still not understood completely. Uh, like science hasn't been able to explain spontaneous fermentation all the way and there are certain areas within beer and brewing particularly with fermentation like h2s that you know and spontaneous fermentation that they still haven't figured it out and i think that that's super cool because it's like well i thought we had everything figured out when it came to beer and i'm guessing something like spontaneous fermentation hasn't been figured out because the big companies in the world the big brewing companies the macro beers they spend a ton of money on research, but they spend a ton of money on making a macro beer. So making it consistent, making it as, you know, agreeable to as many people as possible. And they spontaneous fermentation, Britannomyces, all of that stuff is, you know, the opposite of what they're wanting to do. So there's like that research just isn't there because. Mm -hmm. And same with like winemakers. Like they go like very straight, like long lengths to keep Brett away and stuff like that. So there's also not no reason to do the 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 to, to do the research in right. that industry, right? You know? And I think we've talked about that before in one of our episodes. It may have been the Britannomyces episode, yeah, um, in the Wild Brews book, which is one of my favorite beer books. It's one of those books that for me is in it's obviously it's informative, but it's it's just well-written and it's really entertaining. Like I really enjoy reading that book, but he talks about that with, I think it was with Britannomyces where everyone for so long was like, don't try to brew with Brett. It'll mm -hmm. infect your entire brewery. You're going to have to burn it down and change your name and move someplace else. And it's like, no, that's not actually the case. It's just that all of the research is done by companies who absolutely cannot adjust for Britannomyces in their brewery. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you know, conscious of like your, your soft components on your cold side and, and all of that, like you can have mixed fermentations with clean fermentations in the same space. But again, all of the research up until like the last 10, 15 years has been macro breweries, you have to keep it out. And so everybody just kind of took that as conventional wisdom. And it's like, no, it's not It's it's conventional wisdom for this one specific part of the brewing mm -hmm. industry. Yeah. So that is the reason that, you know, what we know in the brewing world, spontaneous fermentation is very much on an art side, I would say, mm -hmm. because it's God. And I got to give it to these breweries that do produce the same spontaneously fermented beer year after year, because that takes a lot of blending and careful judgment from the brewmaster and it's really an art to get that to stay consistent i mean 
to make a good one is hard enough, but to make the same good one over and over when you're relying on wild organisms, because we don't know how they're going to behave and how long they're going to take to, or if it's even going to reach the same flavor. Right. You right. Know, so it is really interesting. And spontaneous fermentation was very much an, on accident in the beginning of time, if you will. It was not known at first, you know, just like yeast wasn't known in beer. Like, it right. didn't, no one knew what that was yeast and what it was doing. They just thought it was this magical thing that you could reuse, which it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, and then you start to realize, oh, you know, if I do leave this out for some reason, the air is making this taste different and uh, making me feel good with the alcohol it's creating. Right. So it is like kind of cool to take this really unique part of nature and to make beer out of it and consistent beer too. Right. Right. Exactly. And it's, have you ever done a wild yeast capture? This is not exactly the same as spontaneous, from, well, it is, it is spontaneous fermentation, but I, every year, so I'm saying it out loud, I'm setting an intention. I will do this this year and I will report back my results. <laughs> every spring and fall, I'm like, I'm going to do a wild yeast capture and I'm going to propagate the yeast and see what I, you know, what can I brew uh, with this, the, like the wild yeast that's around my house. Yeah. Um, and uh, like every year I'm just like, this is the year I'm going to do it. And I never do it. So I will do it this year. And if I don't do it this year, I will not ever bring it up again. But in the, um, I think it's the American sour beers book by Michael Tonsmeyer, where he talks about how you can do that wild yeast capture. Um, for me, I think I'll probably, like, I've got some cans of proper uh -huh. in the refrigerator. I'll probably just do that. Um, but like in my, in my yard, I have a giant fig tree. I have blueberry bushes. I have strawberries. I have wild strawberries. You know, we've got like a lot of fruit trees and things, not only in our yard, but also in yeah. the neighborhood. And, um, I'm, I'm always just like this, this would be a perfect place to try to do this. And we're also, you know, in a, in a suburb, in a neighborhood, there have been times that I've thought about doing it that I'm just like, uh, but this is going to be mostly like, I probably wouldn't try to do it someplace like Chicago where there's just going to be like a lot of exhaust. Smoke in the air. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you know, maybe, maybe I would, and maybe I would get nice. Might be fine. Peace from that. Yeah. Um, so yes, I will, I will set an intention that I will make a spontaneous, spontaneously fermented beer and let, let all of you know how it goes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> see that. See what I what I can grow. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's probably a good point to touch on like wild versus sour because so many people do don't understand that wild and sour beers are not the same thing. Um, they <sighs> drives me crazy. Yeah, they taste completely different. They're they're made from one's made from bacteria, one's made from yeast. Um, so, you know, a wild beer is going to be something that is made from spontaneous fermentation from wild yeast in the air, um, like Brett, for example. Um, yes, you can buy Brett and pitch it. You don't have to, like, collect. You don't have to rely on the air or spontaneous fermentation to make a wild beer. Now, if you want spontaneous fermentation, you have to do it. You know right. what I mean? Like, you can't just be like, oh, here's a Brett beer. It was spontaneously fermented when it wasn't. Right. Because you're right. That was inoculated. History. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the difference. Thank you for saying that word. That's what I was looking for. This is the difference between intentionally pitching something and not intentionally pitching something. Right. Um, and then sour is like acidifying the beer with bacteria. So you can have like lactobacillus, pediococcus, um, acetobacter. And I know we've done episodes about these organisms before so you can definitely go back to those episodes to learn more about the specific organisms but these are going to what sour the beer lowering the ph making it that tart acidic taste versus like you know wild notes from brett can be more barnyard or hay or or horse-like or even depending on the strain of brett maybe very fruity too so talking about two different things and i remember going with you we were in Chicago. We went to off. 
off color. <laughs> yeah. So I remember off-color. going with you to off color brewery. <laughs> One of my top five favorite breweries of all time. Oh man. And on also the, wall. the bathroom yeah. has the best tile of any bathroom in the world. I swear we were not tripping when we went there. Right. No, but the <laughs> off color is just so charming. It's just so quaint and charming. It is. It's a great little brewery, Chicago. And on the wall up above the bar said they had a sign that says, you know, wild is not the same thing as sour. Right. And I was just like, oh, yes. I love They that. have a shirt that says that too. Yeah. I love wild it. doesn't mean sour. Yes. Wild doesn't mean sour. So that's your takeaway from anything today. If you remember one thing today, wild beer and sour beer are not the same. Right. And- they, yeah. They can, uh, like you said, a wild beer can have. Like a lot of times it's going to be mixed fermentation. Yes. So it will be wild and sour. But yeah. that, I think that's an important distinction that I know in talking to people who, you know, are like, what does farmhouse mean? It's like, well, it usually means that it's wild, which means it's going to have bread in it and not necessarily sour. But, you know, farmhouse is also one of those vague terms where maybe the, as maybe the person making the beer understands a farmhouse as being sour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though that's not necessarily correct. It's like, that's, that's just kind of a vague term, but if I see farmhouse, then I'm expecting Britannomyces in, in that. Beer. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. And like Rachel said, I think it was, gosh, I guess it was two years ago. We did an entire suite on Britannomyces, Lactobacillus and Pediococcus. So, uh each, like each one of those was its own episode. And then we also, uh, I guess we didn't do a Cetobacter. Right. Well, it's like, just, who cares about a Cetobacter? <laughs> Fruit flies can carry a Cetobacter. Oh. They could contaminate your whole brewery. I no, did that's not know not that. True. Oh. I mean, it's true about the fruit flies, but I don't think it would actually contaminate your whole brewery unless you were like open fermentation full of fruit flies or something like that. <laughs> oh, that would be sad. <laughs> can you imagine? It'd be like, oh, never mind. I'm not going here. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a microorganism. A Cetobacter will produce acetic acid to microorganism but yeah fruit flies can carry it hmm. which uh yeah interesting fun fact, fun fact. but you'll yes. find that find that in, you know flanders red specifically wood aged flanders red tastes okay. like vinegar yep nice little i mean i i and a flanders red it's actually very good and uh, ipa it's not very good at all right <laughs> <laughs> So everything's got its purpose. (laughs) Right. So with spontaneous fermentation, like you, like you said, it's, you know, it kind of started by accident and then was done with intention. And it's to be clear, because I've had this happen to me um, and I've tasted beers in competitions, like spontaneous fermentation can still happen when you don't want it to. Oh yeah. It can be unintentional. Um, but the classic, what we're talking about today is like your intention is spontaneous fermentation. Yeah. Uh, so the classic method involves exposing the cooling wort to the night air, um, or just, I guess it can be generally air, but at night is normally cooler, um, using a cool ship. And then all of these bugs that we've talked about uh, will inoculate that wort. And then you'll transfer the cooled wort. Um, if we're talking about like traditional spontaneous fermentation, it will generally be transferred to barrels to ferment. You can transfer it into stainless or mm-hmm. you know whatever, um, and it will still ferment. Like it's not, it's not going to not ferment if you don't put it in a wooden barrel. And I, I don't know if all of those negatives made that sentence make sense. I understood what you okay. were saying. Okay, good. So that's all that probably matters. Right. <laughs> Right. So like I mentioned, the the science behind spontaneous fermentation is still really poorly understood. Um, But one thing that the that happens, and I know that it's I've heard it from time to time from people being concerned about like, well, is spontaneous fermentation unsanitary because you're just exposing it to the air? And like, what about like E. coli and, you know, and things like that, like salmonella? And what happens is as your pH drops, those organisms can't survive in that lower pH. So that's, that's you know, point. that's not a, it's not a spontaneous fermentation is not unsafe. 
if you're doing it the correct way. And then as, as the fermentation begins, the pH is going to lower anyway, past the point where like enterobacteria are going to still be like at work. So our spontaneous fermentation is going to begin with enterobacteria that's going to metabolize a small amount of the glucose in the wort and then die off. And it's dying off as the pH is going down. And then Saccharomyces, so brewer's yeast is going to convert our maltose sugars to ethanol and carbon, to carbon dioxide. And once the bulk of fermentation is complete, that's when Britannomyces and Pediococcus start working. And they start working on those, you know, like the longer chain sugars and proteins that Saccharomyces isn't going to eat. Uh, and so it takes, spontaneous fermentation takes a while. And like Rachel said, it's a lot of the products are the finished products are done by blending and that like being a blender is such an art form. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I remember even in like in the brief time that I was at Orpheus, they had a clean barrel program and a mixed firm barrel program. And we would go through and taste the, you know, the mixed firm barrels and just sitting down with like 16 samples in front of me the first time I was like, okay, what are we doing here? Like yeah. what's the goal of doing this? And you know, it was like just tasting through and making notes of like, this is too acidic, like this needs to be dumped. There's no yeah. world in which this is going to be salvageable or like this has this really kind of nice note, uh, you know, where I get like these flavors from this, or this needs more time, or this is ready to go. And when you're tasting all of them kind of together, similar to judging a competition, like you start to get a holistic idea of even if you can't exactly articulate it, it's like, okay, this one is better than this one, or, you mm -hmm. know, like it, the, just the components kind of start to come together in your mind. But yeah, I mean, spontaneous fermentation takes a while. And we, I know we talked about that with like the, the, that suite of the kind of wild organisms and wild yeast that we did uh, or two years ago that it goes through phases like you might get like sarcina sickness in you know in your mixed fermentation you'll get a pellicle and then it goes away um but i guess i'm straying a little bit from no it's true it's fermentation one, well it's one of the reasons that you don't find a lot of beers like that i mean they take a long time so it's a lot of investment and time and money um there's a lot or something of that's not guaranteed yeah there's a lot of room for infection of any clean beer that you might want to do so there's a well, good reason why there's not a lot of research. It's not a lot of effort. I mean, there's a good amount of people doing it, but in the grand scheme of things, it's right. not as popular as clean beer or even right. barrel aged beer, like non, like, like a wooden barrel aged, like non bacteria, you know, spontaneously fermented. Right. And yeah. And like the spontaneous fermentation is being done by very small scale producers who don't have millions yes. of dollars of research yep. budgets to work with. Very true. Um, so a lot of that information is just passed on like, Hey, I know Fontaflora does this. We would like to do something similar. Let's email them and see if they'll guide us through this. You know, like yeah. that's where a lot of that, that there's just not the institutional knowledge the same way as more of just kind of community knowledge and knowing yeah. you should reach out to like through the grapevine. That's true. Yeah, there's a little bit you could read here or there, but it all is pretty save the general information that you'll get. Okay. Makes it easy for testing purposes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I need to know. We're good. <laughs> Don't have to be a scientist. Right. Um, so what are some of the beers, Rachel, that might be created through spontaneous fermentation? Well, beer style specifically, you're talking about lambic, which also is going to lead you to your goose as we touch base in our goose episode, if you want to learn more about that. Um, and then we have our sour red and brown nails, our Flanders red and O'Brune. Um, those will take different paths. You know, for, for example, Flanders red beers are going to be aged in um, wood. It, whereas old brew is going to be aged in stainless steel. So you get a lot more uh, funk from those Randers fled red beers than you do. <laughs> you said Randers fled. Flanders, Randers fled. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Flanders red. It's kind of like hard. Now I'm Flanders not going to be able red. to say it any other way. Flanders red 
West Flanders Red. I think that was my uh, problem as I was trying to say West. Let's get that West out of there. Right. Red Flanders. West Red. West Red Flanders <laughs> Red. How many Reds would Flanders Red if Red West could Flanders Red West? <laughs> there you go. How's that it. for you? Nailed it. Um, American Sour. Also, we need that on the shirt beers. when yeah. we uh, get ready. <laughs> when we start doing merch, we'll, we'll have that <laughs> on a shirt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Those are the main styles. Of course, your American sour beers that American breweries like to make. Um, am I don't, am I missing anything? Don't ask me. Goza, Goza, Belinder Vice all rely on some, at least traditionally, would rely on some sort of spontaneous fermentation. We can make yeah. all these beers now without spontaneous fermentation. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's, um, I was talking to someone the other day about them getting ready to take their BJCP written exam. And one of the things you have to do on that exam is write an all grain recipe, um, like start to finish, like it should look like you've used brewing software, you know, when you're finished with it, somebody should be able to take what you wrote, take it to the homebrew store, get their ingredients, take it home and brew with it. Like percentage wise, like 20% base malt, you know, or I mean, you know, 80% base malt, like that or like. No, like you, well, you're, you're told like, this is a five gallon batch. Got you. Got you. So it's like most of the, the, um, guidance I've read has said, like, just every, every recipe is going to have 10 pounds of grain. You know what I mean? And like kind of just simplify it for yourself. But we were talking about the, you know, they give you a list of here's nine potential beer styles that you might be asked about. And which is nice because it's like, okay, I only need to worry about making an all grain recipe for these styles and uh, you know some of them like german pills or vice beer or czech premium pale lager you know traditionally would be decocted and the for that exam you can say this would traditionally be decocted i'm doing this as single infusion and that's yeah. you, you saying like we don't have to do spontaneous fermentation to produce these beers now yeah that, that's what that, that made me think of it's like yeah we don't have to you don't have to do decoction to make those yeah exactly beers. yeah so yeah you can you can buy all of these you know organisms you can do them in various blends uh, and i think i've mentioned this before too if you are and this, again, this is not spontaneous fermentation, but if you are looking to do like a mixed firm beer, pay attention when you buy your yeast to what strains are in it. Um, I want to say it's one of Omega's, like all the Bretts or something. One of theirs has the Brett Brux in it, which I don't like. That's the one that that's the strain that will give you kind of that rubbery phenolic character. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that when you know when I bought it and then was just like well oh oh this is so bad so just make sure you're reading the package and you understand what each one of those what flavors each one of the strains in there is going to impart but with spontaneous fermentation you don't really have that choice yep and the environment makes a big difference with your spontaneous fermentation so there's that famous story about I think it was Lindemann's when they moved their brewery, they cut out a wall in their old brewery and installed it in their new brewery. So they would have that inoculation of the bugs that had like soaked into, you know, the, like the ambient setting. I mean, when you're trying to make a consistent product, I get that. I I mean, it it almost seems like a little superstitious, but I no, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I do there. I do believe that there is like, you know, a lot of these traditional spontaneous fermented beers. We talk about Zen Valley and, you know, Belgium and that being the Mecca. Uh, But of course you could make these beers anywhere. You know, I've read that most of the microflora in the world is pretty much the same. However, there's definitely a feel good factor to making a beer in a nice apple field versus next to a pile of horse shit in a barn. So I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so I totally understand, understand why they're like, give me this wall. Right. I don't care who needs this wall. I need this wall. Yeah. <laughs> the, the next tenants don't need this wall. It's a very special wall. Right. It's wall right. With me. Yes. And usually with uh, spontaneous fermentation, your cool ship is going to be up 
kind of in the rafters of your building. Um, so you've got the. Um, yeah, like the wafers. Campers. Yeah. yeah. Like the. Yeah, you know, we're both flopping fix. our hands around like yeah. people can see it. Yeah, um, like windows. Dormers. Yes. It's got a specific name. Somebody somewhere is screaming it. I think it starts with a D. I think it's dormers. Anyway, um, like if you go to um, Cantillon in Brussels, they have their cool ship up, you know, like the as basically as close to the ceiling as they can get. Like you've got yeah. like the frame of the roof is coming down on either sides of the room. And I know locally in Atlanta, Monday Night Brewing has Monday Night Garage where they have a cool oh, ship that they cool built name. and uh, they in front of the brewery, like directly in front of where the cool ship is, they've planted all of these fruit trees and flowers and like vegetables and stuff. And they did that specifically to try to get some of that when they're doing spontaneous fermentation, um, because it's in kind of like a, you know, an industrial part of town that's being gentrified um, and they're, they're part of the gentrifiers, but, uh, you know, planting those fruit trees there because that's not there. Of, yeah. And so they're, they're like building their own flora around yeah. the brewery specifically because they want that for their cool ship. That is cool. I think Allagash was the first one to have a cool ship. I think so. I, from a video I was watching, they said that I can't remember the beer they were making, but it was like, it was a little episode about their first the first brew on their first cool ship in the united states so a little fun yeah. fact have little you ever cool been fact. to allagash yes once really i haven't i didn't take a tour or anything i was just hanging out in the oh, tap room i see i was on a family vacation oh nice we went to allagash they give you a yeah. free free uh, can't talk today they give you a free flight when you walk in but like that's it and it's like pre-picked and like that's the flight right. of the day so when yes. we went there, all the beers were dark. It was like dark beer day. I was like, cool. yeah, um, Dogfish does something similar to that. Like their their main location in in Delaware. When you go in, they have just like this is a you. I think you have to buy it there, but it's like this is the flight. We don't yeah. we, we don't let you pick your own flights, which I think is a really good idea. When I was in charge of the tourist program. Uh, we had a lot of discussions about like what kind of flight of beer to give people. And I was always like, it's predetermined. You don't get to choose. We're going to say, here's the Pilsner. Here's the IPA. Here's the stout. Yeah. Here's a seasonal. And here's something that is still in good shape, but we want to move. Yep. Oh yeah. I think that's what else do we have to say about spontaneous fermentation? I know that, um, I think we've, I, hopefully we've kind of connected the overarching dot, dots uh, for, you know, those other episodes that we did. Mm -hmm. I think so. Cool. But, but we'll rely on our listeners to definitely let us know if we yes. are not connecting the dots somewhere. Right. Yes. So we've done a lot of episodes. One day we're just going to run Man, out there and talk about. Three years. Can you crazy. believe that? I can't believe people still listen to this. <laughs> i can't believe you still listen to me <laughs> well like when we uh rescheduled this i think last time that my calendar invite i sent was like for real this time we're really doing it and then i was like <laughs> i've got to cancel uh so the calendar invite today was for real for real for real <laughs> i don't girls care. recording lambic and spontaneous fermentation and yeah i was like okay if we postpone this again we're just not going to podcast anymore or we're just going to pick a topic that like we're, we can't wait to talk about yeah she probably should just do right <laughs> right so i will say so i think this one will come out um in september well we're in september now so yes it will come out in september but one of the episodes we're going to do for our october episodes so i think this should be out in time that i will hopefully be able to collect some answers but we're going to play a game and i'm going to play the role of game show host rachel mm -hmm. will be the player and Ooh, i will have yeah. <laughs> big money no whammy no whammy <laughs> so i will be asking rachel various questions about beer and partially to help 
prep for yes. master, but also partially just have fun. Uh, so if you have any ideas for uh, questions that you think would be good to ask, uh, you can send those to me. I would say send them to me directly. Yeah. On, uh, I'm at under the Genfluence. And I think even if you go to our False Bottom Girls page, we're both I've, linked on there. So you can get to me from there. Not that Rachel yeah. would cheat or anything, but just, you know, I, I don't want her to be able to do any pre-prep. I won't. Her. I don't want to. <laughs> I want to be caught off guard. I want to. Uh, this is how you prep for master, ma'am. Yeah. Because the one thing I've learned about these tests is that they're so good at asking you questions that you don't study and not that you don't study the material, but you don't, you don't think about the question in the way that they're asking you. Right. And without saying any questions and giving away anything about the test, exactly. It, it, they're really good at doing that. And they're not, and it's not tricking you. They are not there to trick you. Right. It's just like, no, you've been thinking about it this way, your whole career. Now I need you to think about it this way and right. explain it to me. And you're like, damn, Cicerone. Yeah, exactly. Good. Well, that was good. Yeah, yeah like those are good <laughs> questions. And yeah, and that's that is one of the things that I like about them because yeah, we really study like a single topic. And you, you know, you let's say we get asked about spontaneous fermentation. Um, it wouldn't just be like it wouldn't just be like tell me everything. What about is spontaneous? Yeah, yeah, it would be like, you know, your brewery has a cool ship and it's making these three different beers using the cool ship. How would that change if you got rid of it? Or something where it's like, yes, you're not only talking about spontaneous fermentation, you're demonstrating your knowledge of how different styles are brewed and stuff. And obviously it's showing that you have mastered yes. that subject matter and you're capable of of making those connections across all of the subject matter. So yeah, it's not like a you know bullet point kind of thing exactly. so but yeah it, it is challenging in that way but then it's also really for me it's very validating and yeah they can, you know a confidence booster to be like oh I do know this like if I could only write essays about malt and water chemistry on the master <laughs> exam I would be set yeah. I would be set like those every time I'm just like give them to me yum 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 <laughs> I can do those all day. Like, don't ask me about any of the other bullshit. Don't ask me about beer styles or commercial examples because I hate it. <laughs> but so on that not, note, not next time you're going to be like, all right, I know every commercial yes. example because I drink every single one. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, right. I'm going to help you. Right. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, but yes, on that note, we will wrap this up so thank you everyone for listening you already know probably where you can find us but if not you can find us at falsebottomgirls.com you can reach out to us on social media at falsebottomgirls you can also email us falsebottomgirls at gmail.com this has been false bottom girls and we make the brewing world go round <laughs> <laughs>